this message tonight. Uh, it's our Focus 2022 sermon series. And so this evening, what we're going to do is continue that path. Two, two weeks ago, um, might have been three weeks ago now, we, we had a message on prayer. And, um, and we, we said our, our 2022 vision was that we would focus on prayer, that we would focus on worship, that we would focus on serving, and that we would focus on belonging. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to take this back to the mission statement of the church, the mission statement that we were founded upon when the church was started, that we would give of our lives to serve Jesus, that we would simply grow through our worship and our study, and that we would go and tell the world about Jesus. So everything in our mission statement is coming back to the vision 2022 that I feel God is going to give us. And so I want to share through this series some very practical ways. There's a lot of questions that believers have, even non-believers. If you're a non-believer tonight, questions that you have about why we do what we do. Why do we pray? We, we tried to answer that question two weeks ago. Why, why should we pray? Who do we pray to? Why, why do we pray to God? What's the point of it? Uh, you know, I, I've had times in my life where things just don't go as they should go, and we want to blame God. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, we, we have all of these questions that we want to ask. And so I hope through this series that it will be a practical one for you and one that we could easily implement, implement, implement into our lives and our hearts. So I titled our message tonight, Focus on Worship. It's going to be very simple. Focus on worship. I have a few quotes that I want to, to read to you on worship. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors and even one of my favorite um, guys to go to when, when looking at commentaries and those kinds of things, said this, Any man or woman who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. That, that, that struck home a little bit. Like if, we're, if we're bored in worship, we ain't ready for heaven. Tim Hughes, another, another great uh, worship artist, said this, Worship must be Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-led, a response to the Father about intimacy and service, and always lead it to be transformational. Matt Redman, one of my favorite Christian songwriters of today, said this, Worship songs can't just be rooted in culture. They won't be deep enough. They have to be rooted in Scripture. If you have a Bible tonight, you can turn with me to the book of Romans um, we're going to be all over the place again. Uh, I, I don't have set uh, scripture, but we're going to we're going to start in Romans chapter twelve and, and looking at verse one. And 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 while you're turning there, uh, this one verse to me sums worship perfectly. It sums it all up for us. It 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 took me a little while to understand it as as I was getting older, and especially as a, a minister and a preacher of the gospel. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. And Paul writes these words, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That, that was one of the first scriptures that I ever memorized as a Bible student. 
Uh, I, I remember sitting in Dr. J.D. Grant's class, a discipleship class, and, and he would have us write these verses down. Benny, I'm sure it was the same class you took. And, and you would write it five times down. You'd put it on your dash, and then next week you'd have a, a, a test. And Romans 12.1 was the week one of that class. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Growing up, worship to me was always about music. Uh, I don't know if that's how you were as you became a believer and you're like, yeah, I'm going to worship. I'm going to go turn on the radio. You know, never, never growing up did I really hear we're going to have worship service tonight. I just heard we're going to have a service. And so I always connected worship to like songs. I even connected worship just to being Sunday mornings. But as I grew as a believer and what God wanted to do in my life and how God wanted to transform me in my life, I learned and I realized that worship was much more than just that. But you see, the, the, the modern church today, America has kind of watered things down for us. That worship is a Sunday morning experience. Worship is something that, that you come to, we sing a few songs, there's going to be an invitation, bring your, bring your pocketbook because you've got to give an offering. We, we're going to have kids so you can have your child care. And at the end of the day, we're done for the week. And, and if you feel like it, come back on Wednesday night for midweek Bible study. And you see, that's what I grew up with. And many of you probably did too. And now, like, what, what the vision is for cross life and, and the vision for my, my heart and, and my heart for the church is that it should never stop. Worship should never stop. I, I, I long for the day that we have so many small groups in our church that we have one meeting every night of the week. I, I long for the day that we have so many women in our church that we have to have multiple groups that meet in the mornings for Bible study and prayer, that we have multiple groups for our working uh, ladies that, that, that have Bible study in the evening. Same thing for our men. I long for the day that, that we have men that want to grow together on a Monday morning over prayer before you go to work at 6 a.m. I, I, I long for that day. I long for the day that, that worship goes beyond a Sunday morning experience where we just sing three songs we give our money, and we go home. Because church, let me tell you, that is not worship. It's a part of worship. Is it not like that? that it is a part and a duty of the Christian and the believer today that we do those things, but it goes much further than that. Um, just, just two weeks ago, I, I put out on my Facebook page to my 1,350-some friends, and I might know 100 of them, um, you're probably 80 of the 100 um, that, I, that I talk to, but uh, I've got all these friends, get random friend requests all the time, and I'm like, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll accept them. And, and, and I asked everybody what worship meant to you. And maybe you saw that post, and maybe you responded to that post. I gave you some of those things on the, on the Facebook Live two Sundays ago, but I want to give you a few more that people commented on. One said this, I feel worship the most during music. Is that is that you? Like, I, I worship most in my car. I don't know about you, 
or, or my lawnmower um, that I sold when I when I moved. Um, now now I'm going to be weed eating my yard. Um, <laughs> somebody else said this: worship is all about Jesus. Can we agree with that? Worship is all about Jesus. If He ain't in it, then don't do it. Somebody else said the transforming grace of God. Keeping a clear mind, being open to allowing Jesus to enter in peace with ourselves. I like that. Somebody else said, acknowledging the I am and his sovereignty in my everyday life and knowing that I'm nothing without him. When I read that, I think of Danny Patterson. If you knew Danny for any amount of time, you would have known the story of his I am. Uh, if you knew his testimony and what he lived his life for, it was that I am statement. And so I think of him tonight as I read that. One of another person said this, and I shared this one in the um, in the Facebook live broadcast two Sundays ago, but it's perfect for our message tonight. He said this Romans twelve one directs us to what worship is. It is easy to look at worship from our perspective. We tend to make worship about a part of something we do maybe on a Sunday or when the music is on, but it is so much more than that. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12:1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our worship of God is to be reflected in every word, every action, everything that we do. And when we allow Jesus to live through us, we worship God. If it is holy and pleasing to God, it is worship. It is not limited to an act. It should be the total sum of our lives. I love that. It came from a, a fellow church planter of, of, of ours and, and, and a brother that, that I love deeply. Somebody else said this. Taking the time to acknowledge what God has done and will do for you and having that moment of thankfulness. All of these things tonight are worship. All of these things are things that maybe we should set our minds on and our hearts on for what worship really is. Worship is everything. You know, whether you are riding in your car or whether you are taking a run or an exercise. Y'all pray for me. Lately, I have not been able to run. Ever since my family's dealt with sickness, like, I can't, I can't do it. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, but worship can be done during your exercise. Worship can be done in your car. It can be done anywhere because he is worthy of our worship. What we can't forget is worship drives us. It, it drives us through the week. It drives us in our hearts to other people. It drives our hearts to Jesus. Well, it should. You know, it, it should drive our heart to Jesus. The more we stay in a worshipful mood, the more the outpouring of the love of Christ is going to flow from our heart. But in order for that to take place, we have to focus on worship. It's the number one thing we have to do. The first question I want to address tonight 
is this. Why should we worship? Why should we worship? And maybe a lot of things just came to your mind when that question came out of my mouth. We worship to glorify God. And in that, our response should be that we would completely surrender to God in our worship. We worship the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. He says this, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those in earth, of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We worship because He is Lord. He's in charge of my life. I don't know about yours. And, and maybe that sounds cliche, you know, but, but I've tried to live my life on my own. I've been down that road. And let me tell you, I would be a dead man right now if I continued doing that path that I was on. Um, thank God for correction, amen? I th- thank God for parents who loved me enough that I didn't jump off the cliff when I could have. You know, thank God for the parents that had the heart and decency to teach me how to swim. Because if not, I would have drowned, right? Thank God for parents who taught me the importance of keeping my grades up in school. Even though sometimes I didn't do so well, they gave me that nudge that I needed. I thank God for Christian people who have corrected me over the years in my ministry. Listen, when I, when I turned 18 years old, uh, I was a youth pastor, got voted in to the church, my first church I served in at 18 years old, the day I turned 18. And listen, I thought I, thought I knew it all. I, I thought I was going to conquer the world, that everybody that I preached to was going to give their life to Jesus, that everybody that I came in contact with, I was going to lead them to the Lord. And if I didn't lead them to the Lord, they were going to get called into ministry under my leadership. Like, I thought I had it all figured out. And I realized very quickly, I didn't know it all. I thank God for a pastor by the name of Jim Hooper who took me under his wing at Barnersville Baptist Church in 2013 or 20, 2010, 2010 and loved on me unconditionally to disciple me in the way I needed to go. I thank God for Dr. Billy King in 2012 who I sat under as a youth pastor with. And Dr. Billy King, we didn't have the greatest relationship at the time, because of certain things that happened in my past that uh, I won't go into tonight. That's a whole other story with a girl I was dating and everything else. But because of him loving me unconditionally through those times, I was able to stand on my feet again. I thank God for him. I thank God for Pastor James Lynch in 2014, who took a chance on me to be the first ever full-time youth pastor um, in my ministry. And, and from then on, I've been in full-time ministry because of a church that said, we're going to take a chance on a 21-year-old man, and we're going to love on him, and we're going to teach him, and we're going to grow him up. And there were days where in youth ministry at that time where I had three, four years under my belt 
that I thought I knew it all. I thought I could conquer the world again. But I will say, at that time, when I walked into that church, there was like a handful of kids, maybe three. <laughs> there was a handful of youth, maybe two or three. And when we left, we were running over 100 students in that church. I thank God for the transformational process. And it all started when I said yes to worship. And I said yes to what God was calling me to do, which was a part of my worship. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us bow down and worship. Bring an offering and come before him. Let us kneel before the maker. You know, our worship should show that he is worthy to be praised. The problem is, this is where we mess up when we put worship on ourselves. Many will put worship on a performance uh, when it isn't about a performance at all. Well, we, we've got nothing fancy here at Cross Life. We got, we got $8 lights behind me from Amazon. Okay, <coughs> We spent about $300 on our floor speakers. This pulpit was free of charge. Um, this building one day is going to be given to us free of charge. Like, church, we, we didn't have to have a lot of money to bring worship, right? We didn't have to have that. We don't have to have the fancy flickering lights, which, I mean, that would bother me anyways. Uh, we, we don't have to have the, the eight guitars and the 12 different drum sets. One drum's enough, right? Like, one guitar is enough for us right now. God will bring the rest to us, I promise. Hey, when we move out of the way and we let God be the director of our worship, things will happen. And that's what we've noticed over the last six months or so. Like when we move out of the way, God shows up. When we move out of the way and it, and it, and it goes, the focus goes off of us and it goes to praise to God, God will take care of his people. And we've got to be careful that we, when we have our worship services, Hey, that, that none of it gets put on us. That, that, that even, even me standing behind the pulpit tonight, it is not me speaking. It is all God speaking. Because when I was 16, 17 years old, you should have saw me as a speaker. I didn't speak well. I was scared to death. I would shake. I would get sweaty. I would freak out. I told you about the first sermon I ever preached. It lasted about six minutes flat. But God transformed me into the speaker that I am today, and it is all Him. It's not me. It's not about practice. Hey, I'll be honest. In, in my early days of ministry, uh, on, on Saturday nights, you can ask Tiffany, I used to go to the church and practice my youth lessons every Saturday night. Every Sunday that I got the opportunity to preach, I stood in the sanctuary, and I went over my sermon because I was scared to death. <laughs> Didn't know what I was going to say. Even today, even today, I still write full manuscripts for every service that I preach. Now, you probably wouldn't know that. It's not a rehearsal. It's just growth in our worship as we go. It helps me stay on task 
So if I look down and I take a rabbit trail for 15 minutes, I can bring myself back. Okay, It's more for my comfort, not the church. It's part of my worship. As I prepare during the week, it's about worship. As I, as I prepare during the week, it's about helping myself and my heart get transformed into what he wants me to share to the church. And for Sundays, we, we aim, we absolutely aim to be reverent towards Christ because he deserves that. We strive to be respectful towards the word of God. I know there's different translations in hands tonight. I know there's different views But listen, if you hold God's word in your hand tonight, it is precious. There's people where where the Lord may be calling me to go in a few months to, to that mission trip in Honduras that has never held one of these in their hands. Ever. They've never heard of it. They've never been told about Jesus. We have the opportunity tonight to go to Walmart and pick up a Bible. You can go to the Dollar Tree these days and buy a Bible. It's at our fingertips. Listen, you can go on your phone tonight and go to the app store and type in Bible and have 300 apps on your phone that are directed at the Bible. We are blessed. And you you may say, well, people in Honduras can do that too. They can't afford a phone. Look, they're they're still carrying around Blackberries. In Honduras, no lie. The last time I went to Honduras, it was like the, the first year I had a, um, I think I had an iPhone 4 at that time. Uh, they were still carrying around the Nokia bricks. Y'all remember those? Like, And they weren't even called Nokia. It was a different, it was a different brand. They don't have the access that we have. They don't have the internet that we have. They don't have the Bible access that we have. Some countries tonight don't even have a Bible in their language. But here we are blessed to hold the Word of God and towards the elements of our worship. Our goal in every service is that we would come into worship and that we would point people to Jesus and point people to a relationship with Him. And if you ever come to a service and that doesn't happen, I want to know. Like, you you come to me. It ain't going to hurt my feelings. Like, hey, pastor, you got off trail today. You didn't point people to Jesus. I need to know that. Because every sermon, I I don't care what it's on, should point people to a relationship with him. It's part of our worship. In the Bible, we are commanded to worship. Worship is why the church exists today. Why should we worship? To glorify the Lord. Second question this evening. How should we worship? How should we worship? Worship in a way that the focus gets put on Him. Let's talk about worship in the church for a moment. Uh, Worship is not based on what we like and what we don't like. And I know that's, that's hard to hear sometimes. Like, we like certain things. I'm one of those guys, like, you probably don't know this about me, but if you were to get in my truck right now, contemporary Christian music is typically not, is not what's playing in my truck. It is Southern gospel music. I love Southern gospel music. I'm 30 years old and an 80-year-old body. I don't know. Uh, I, 
I, I, I love it. Okay, I grew up listening to my dad sing in a quartet. I, I, I grew up hearing the ensembles in church with Southern gospel music. I, I grew up on Sunday nights, on the fifth Sunday singing, that we would have a Southern gospel group come in and sing. Like, it was, it was in my roots. When Riley was born, the only thing that would put her to sleep was Southern gospel music. <coughs> I remember texting one of my one of my buddies, Curtis Hyler. I was in the hospital with Riley, holding her, and I said, "Curtis, I just want you to know the only thing my baby sleeps to is your music." And he says, "I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or a defeat." <laughs> second second favorite is is probably the old based hymns. Okay, I didn't start liking contemporary Christian music. Until I was well into my 20s. And I realized that in order to reach people and to point people to Jesus, that maybe I should move out of the way from my preference and my desires so that God could use something to reach people in a way that maybe I couldn't reach them. And so over the years, my heart for worship has grown. And I tell you those things tonight to bring it back into perspective that yes, I was up here, but I lowered myself down here so that I could point people to Jesus, more people to Jesus in a different way. And it was really hard being a youth pastor and not liking what they like. I mean, it's just part of it. So sometimes we have to put our preferences and our desires to decide, right? It isn't about music preference. I can worship to raise a hallelujah just like I can worship the amazing grace. So it's not about the music preference. It's not about a Bible translation preference. I read the King James Version when I study for Sunday mornings. That's usually the number one text that I would use, the number one version that I would use. I bring it back from the King James. I preach from the New King James because it's easier to, to preach to you and, and not have to explain every other word to you. I, I like to study from the new, the new Living Translation because it's down to earth for me and I can really understand it really well. Uh, that's like my level of English. I love the ESV because it is closest to the King James. And sometimes I go to something like the New American Standard or even, I've, I've, I've taught a youth lesson out of the message before. Don't shoot me. It's part of it. You know, it, it, it's not about my preference. That church youth pastor used it, so I used it when I came in. Okay, it's about their preference. Whether it's green carpet or blue carpet or Elmo dyed carpet, brown carpet, whether it's got stains on it or it's brand new, or it's fluffy, or you can bounce on it. Okay? God doesn't care about your carpet. Okay? He doesn't care if we worship inside a brick wall church. He doesn't care if we worship inside a sheetrock church. He doesn't care if we worship under a tent with metal chairs. All he cares about is the heart that comes in to worship. And so my question tonight to you is where's your heart at? 
Because if it's on the carpet or if it's on the music style, if it's on the preaching style or, or the translation style, we are missing the point of pointing people to Jesus. And if one person hears something about the carpet, they may never step foot back in your church. I remember the Sunday that we voted, it was years ago, we were voting on, on the transform, transforming the sanctuary. And we had a big argument over carpet. And we had six visitors that morning. Not one of them ever showed back up. If you've been in church for any amount of time, and you've been in business meetings, we call them family meetings here because we believe in being a family and not business. Just something that we started. I don't, we didn't even start off that way. It was, it was after, we, after we launched and everything else. We just started calling it family meetings. But if you've been a churchgoer for any amount of time, you've probably been in those business meetings before. And they ain't fun, are they? We don't want that here. Uh, we, don't, we don't want arguments. We, 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 don't, we don't want dissatisfaction. I don't want to make people mad. I don't want to make people upset. But what I've realized is some, some arguments just aren't worth having. I've had to grow in that. I used, to, I used to bicker and argue back. Now I'm just like, look, if it's not about Jesus, I'm not worried about it. It's just not worth it. Now that doesn't mean that we're the country club where you can have it your way and, and do what you want to do. But listen, we've got to point people to Jesus. Our goal over the next three years is to point 100 people towards Jesus and to see 100 people give their life to Jesus. And the only way that we can do that is if we put our center of worship on Him and not ourselves and not our preferences. It's not about if you get a front row seat or a back row seat. Some of you love the back row seat. I get it. Every time I go into a church worship service that I'm not preaching, that's where I sit. Okay. But are we so are we so hung up on the seat that if somebody comes in Sunday and takes your seat that you're going to get upset and never come back? I I hope not. Okay, but I've seen it before. I say, I, I say those things because I've seen it. It's like it's like the person that gets the coffee cup that says, "Please don't touch. It's hot." The reason why that's said because somebody's done it before. Okay? Uh it's crazy. It's about focusing on Him. When we worship, the focus has to be on Jesus. What about personally, though? How should we worship personally? It's not about if you have a morning devotion or a night devotion. Let me tell you, I've done the morning, I've done the mid-afternoon, and I've done the night. There's no right time to do it. It's your preference. Whatever you want to do, whatever is best for you and your family, you do that. It's not about if you pray in the middle of the day or you pray at the start of the day. You should be praying all day, every day. Okay, it's not about if you're listening to the contemporary Christian song, the gospel song, the hymn, or even the Christian rap that is out there. I'm not a huge fan of it, <coughs> but people do it, and people get pointed to Jesus through it. It's not about us allowing ourselves. It's about us allowing ourselves to become into a worshipful attitude every day in every moment in our life. We have to be in a worshipful attitude. Stephen uh, Sharnock said this, when we believe that we should be satisfied rather than God glorified in our worship, then we put God below ourselves as though He had been made for us 
rather than what he had been made for him. I love that. Worship is a way of life. It is the way that we carry ourselves. We worship to be in communion with God. This is something that I, I hope and I pray every day we take serious at Cross Life Church. Um, did you know as your pastor, <laughs> I have a duty outside of just preaching the word to you on Sunday mornings. Like, did you know there's more to my job than that? Uh, I promise you I work more than two hours a week. Uh, I, I, I promise you that it is my job and even the leadership of our church's job to make sure from the opening to the closing that we have an inviting atmosphere for our congregation to worship Christ. And not only that, but we provide opportunities throughout the week that you can continue in your worship. When we worship, we need to move ourselves out of the way. Remove the worries, remove the doubts, remove opinions, and fixate our eyes upon Jesus. Sometimes we get in the way of ourselves when we go to worship, and because of that, we feel we get nothing out of our worship. I saw something like this uh, earlier this week. We need to stop worshiping the elephant or the donkey, and we need to worship the lamb. Like, America needs to hear that today. It is all about him. So not only should we, we ask tonight... How should we worship and why should we worship? But lastly, when should we worship? When should we worship? It seems like an easy question if you're a believer, right? Like the cliche answer would be we should be always worshiping. You know, but is that possible? You know, is it is it possible to to worship when you're in osmosis land and, and you're and you're taking that eight hour deep sleep? Some of you take like 12-hour deep sleeps, and kids today can sleep like 16 hours straight. I don't get it. I don't know how you do it. Um, but it, it's kind of hard to worship while you're knocked out, right? It's not feasible. But let's be honest. The, the Bible says to protect the Sabbath day, to worship and rest. Now, I haven't, I haven't had a Sunday Sabbath day in probably 10 years. I don't get to, to rest on Sundays. I don't know about you. Uh, Sundays is not much of a rest day for me. Uh, maybe a couple of hours, but from 6.30 in the morning Sunday until about 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm like the Energizer Bunny, and then I, and I sit down for an hour, hour and a half, and then a couple of hours later, I'll start working again. So my Sunday Sabbath isn't, isn't really a, a Sabbath. O over the years, I've come to the belief that your Sabbath doesn't have to be on Sunday. Hey, I, I think that it's always just been the norm, and that's what everybody has grown up to believe. Uh, if you were like me, but as you study the Sabbath and what it really means, it literally means rest. That's what it means, rest. Tiffany says I need to learn the definition of rest. In the Bible days, the Jews, they took Friday evening to Saturday evening to rest. So look, if we, want, if we want to do it biblically, we don't even need to do it on Sunday. We need to do it from Friday evening to Saturday evening. Okay, They simply rested. I, I've had to learn that over the years. It, it wasn't a, uh, a, a thing where um, 
they, they, they went out to restaurants and they did. Listen, they, when they rested, they rested. Like there was no cooking. There was no sewing. There was no washing clothes. They literally took it to rest. They, they, they fixed their food on Thursday or Friday morning to have for that full 24 hours so that they could seriously just rest. Typically on Sundays, you know, we're, we're go, go, go. From the sun up to sun down. If, if we're not go, 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 Riley is, so we don't have a choice but to be go, go, go. If you've got a little one, you know exactly what that means. But this is what we've had to learn. We've learned to take time for ourselves in other parts of the week. And if that means tonight, <clears throat> I get three hours to rest, I'm going to take my three hours. <clears throat> and if that means tomorrow night, I get a few more hours to get it. And, and usually, this, is, this has been the thing since I started ministry. All, and I think I told Benny this. When I got married, Tiffany knew all about ministry. I'm a blessed man. I, I am seriously blessed that she grew up in a pastor's home and saw him and, and knows what the pastor is like and how he's go, go, go. He's always on call. And so I told her when we got married, unless it was something that I could not control, Saturdays I would not touch a sermon that my sermons would be done, completed by Friday afternoon. So she would have Saturday with me. Now, sometimes we have events. Sometimes we have training. Sometimes we have Bible studies. Those things happen. But over the last seven years, I can honestly say that Saturdays have been tips for the most part. We've learned what rest means, and we've had to do it in different ways. If that means your Sabbath needs to be on a Saturday, then it needs to be on a Saturday. If that means that it will be divided up between a couple of days, then that's what it is. There's something that we have to understand tonight, and that it is important that we protect God's time. It's, an, it's important that we protect time with our families, that we protect time with our children, that we protect time with our church family. A, a few occasions over the years, I can probably count on one hand how many times on a Saturday night I had to prepare for a Sunday morning message. It could have been because I was at the hospital three or four days that week. could have been because I was doing two or three funerals. And Grundy is like, and Grundy funerals lasted like seven weeks, like no lie. Um, they had like four four services for everybody that died. It was crazy. Um, so sometimes things change after a hectic week, but overall, we have to protect time, and it's important to rest. I've I've had to learn that over the last year. Some of you that are really close to me, you know, I've had to take extra time to rest. I'm learning that. I'm only 30. I'm learning. I'm getting older. Hey, like, and y'all can laugh, <laughs> um, but my body is not like it used to be. Uh, it takes me longer to get over sickness for whatever reason. It, it, it takes longer to, um, to get back to 100%. And so the older you get, the more you realize that. Uh, <laughs> I'm like... <coughs> uh, Last time I went to the doctor, he's like, you're going to have a double knee replacement by the time you're 40 if you don't stop doing what you're doing. Hey, 
Uh, I'm like the tin man every every morning when I wake up. My knees just don't have it. Just doesn't go. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, and and our corporate day. Okay, our corporate day for worship is Sunday, is it not? Like that's now. Now, if we would have broken attendance records tonight, we were gonna have a family meeting after church and move service to Tuesday night. I'm just saying. Um, but why do we come together as a church family to hold a worship service? We've, we've been over the verses in previous sermons before, but Romans 12, 4, and 5 points us directly in the direction of not forsaking being part of the local church. Listen to these verses. For we as many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We can take that a step further and go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 24 and 25, the Bible says, And let us not consider one another, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. When somebody argues with me about church membership, this is where I take them. The Bible says we should gather together with other believers. We should assemble together. Why should we worship? When should we worship? Every opportunity that you get, you should worship. It doesn't matter what time. It doesn't matter what day. Just worship. Focus on Him. Put, put everything to the side. Focus on opportunities. Focus on living for Him. Focus on protecting the day of worship with the church family. And don't just do it once a month or once every six weeks. Do it as often as you can. I didn't say every week. I understand vacations happen. I understand that you go out of town. Listen, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably go out of town too. Let's just be honest. Hey, those, those days happen. But the Bible says worship as often as you can. Do it as often as you can. And if that means you get to come to worship 52 Sundays of the year, we've got, we've got a gentleman in the church, that's one of his resolutions this year, that he doesn't miss a Sunday. We've already missed two. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't his fault. Um, so, sorry, Keevan. <laughs> that doesn't count against you, man. Um, often as we can often as we can. If that means you get to worship 20 hours of the day, you get to worship 20 hours of the day. As we close our service tonight, I want to ask you a few questions. On that last slide, there should be some music playing behind it. <coughs> should be the, the sermon series slide. Just a few questions. What is it in your life tonight that you're worshiping? Is it self? Is it self-gain? Is it pride? Is it your job? Listen, I, I'm like that. I can get to the point in my life where I focus more on the job of the pastor and doing what the pastor should be doing that I take my eyes off of what God really wants in my life. And if you're a worker like me, I, I love to work. I don't know how to stop. It's just part of my blood. Benny tells me all the time, Thomas, take a day. I don't know how. Because all I saw growing up was my dad working as hard as he could work for the church. Still doing it today. Getting ready to retire here in about a month. Same thing with my mom. 
All I saw was work in my family. It was part of my life. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. It's okay to work. It's how we do it. Let's not forget Christ in the middle of it all. You can still worship even when you work. What is it in your life that you're worshiping tonight? Is it an object? Is it a love of something? Are we spending more time watching television during the week than we are spending in worship with God? Are we too busy binge-watching that favorite show? Because I've been guilty of that too. And before you know it, seven or eight hours have gone by and you've wasted a whole day where you could have literally just thanked God for giving you breath. What is it that we're worshiping tonight? Is it really Jesus? I want, I want to share something with you about worship. You can't teach anyone else how to worship until you truly know how to worship yourself. You can't teach it if you're not doing it. You've got to practice what you what you preach was what I've always been told. We got to practice what we teach. We can't expect people in our life tonight to follow in the footsteps of what we're doing if they're not seeing it in you. You can't expect people in your workplace to follow Jesus if you're not showing that you're following Jesus through your conversations, through your words, through your actions, through your deeds. And that doesn't matter if it's in a workplace or if you're getting gas at the BP station. It doesn't matter. We should always have the heart of God everywhere that we go. Tonight, I just want to call us to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who gave his life on the cross for you. And I want to give you an opportunity tonight that if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, 100% is your Lord and Savior, that tonight would be a night that you would trust Him fully, that you would give up of yourself, and you say, it's not about me anymore. It's all about Him. It's not about what I want. It's about what He wants. It's not about my preference and my desire. It's about His desire and what He wants for His church. Because let me tell you, fast forward five, ten years from now, there's going to be something beautiful at 205 Newsom Road if we just keep our eyes locked on Jesus. And he's not done. I was talking to Benny today. We had lunch together, and I was sharing him with, with some of my vision that I have for the church. It doesn't stop here. God did not call me to Rowan County, North Carolina, to stop at this one address. I believe wholeheartedly when he called me, he was very, very clear that churches would be planted across this state. That churches would be planted maybe across this county. That it doesn't end here. And the only way to do that is that we put the focus off of us and we put it all on our community and others. Can a small group be planted in your home? Can a small group be planted in your community? Can a Bible study be started in your workplace? Can a Bible study be started in our church? Maybe it's a group that's not being reached. We should always have the idea of planting, planting, planting. The more you plant, the more things grow, right? If you plant one tomato plant, you're going to get a few tomatoes. But if you plant many tomato plants, you're going to get a slew of tomatoes. 
same thing in church. If you birth things, it's going to multiply. And I'm praying tonight that our leaders will multiply, that our disciples will multiply, and that in the end result, the church will multiply. Whether that means we multiply here at 205, or we multiply all throughout the state, all throughout the nation. Who's to say, church, that Thomas goes to Honduras in the next four months? Crazy. And we don't plan a church in Honduras 10 years from now. Who's to say God won't do that? But what I'm telling you tonight is we have to be obedient to what God calls us to do. And that means we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to get out of our comfort zone. And maybe tonight God is calling you to give up of yourself. To say, I need Jesus first and foremost. I need Jesus in my life. And listen, I'm not telling you things won't get harder along the way because many of you have given your life to Jesus and two months later, things came crashing down. I will never promise you that life gets easier, but what I will promise you is it does get easier with Jesus because you've got a rock to hold on to that you didn't have. So if that's you tonight, would you be bold enough let us know that you need Jesus. Would you come talk to me after the service? I need Jesus in my life. Maybe you've never taken the step of a of, of believer's baptism. You've been saved, but you've never been baptized, and you want to show the church you're going to live for. Maybe that's you tonight. Would you take that step? Listen, the, the one that gives you breath, the one that, that can give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear, the one that will enable you to pray, the one that can enable you to truly worship is Jesus Christ, the one that gives you a heart to serve. And that's what we do best, the one that will truly help you belong in the family and become a piece to the puzzle, not only to cross life, but to the kingdom of God. My desire and my plea to you tonight is that you would ask God, to give you a heart of worship. Ask Him to open your heart for new things. As we close this service, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, would you say a simple prayer tonight? Maybe it's a prayer. Jesus, I need you in my life. I need to give my life to you. I know that you died for me. I know that you rose for me, and I need salvation. Would you come into my life? Would you make me whole? Would you save me, Jesus? Maybe your prayer is something like this. God, would you give me a heart that desires worship? Would you give me a heart to try new things? Would you give me a home that wants to be open to everybody so that we can study the scriptures in our home? New ways of studying. We, we serve a God who makes all things new. Will you come? Will you break down? give God what he deserves. Do it tonight. Don't wait any longer. I, I remember having a conversation with Gary this morning, and as soon as I got off the phone, I sent Tiffany a text, and I was like, God, God's dealing with me. She's like, what do you mean? I said, babe, I think I, think I got to go. And it was almost like being called to ministry all over again. 
Like when you believe in your heart that much that God's calling you to do something, you've got to do it. And whatever it is tonight that God wants you to do, there is somebody that we can connect you with that you can do it together where you're not by yourself. Let it be your call. Protect that call. And and own it. There is no idea that is too crazy for God. I remember Kathy just a couple of years ago, came up to me and said, Thomas, I want to start a food pantry. She's smiling right now. She she remembers that conversation. It's Kathy, it ain't going to work. Did you, can you believe that in two years' time, we probably saw over 200 families, individual families, and that's just a guess, coming through our church to receive food, all because one person said yes to the call that God put on their life. And who's to say that 200 more families won't get reached this year because of it. John, crazy idea to start some group called Bound by Three. Boldness, brotherhood. Thank you. Crazy idea in the beginning, but now it's come to fruit. What is it he's calling you to? Stop running from it. Start obeying it. And own it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the time we've had. Lord, what a joyous time we've had. Lord, I love my church family. You have built something beautiful at Cross Life Church. And I get the honor and the privilege of pastoring this wonderful congregation of people people that you have brought together from all over Rowan County and even Davidson County. God, we can celebrate tonight that just last year over a hundred people came through the doors for the very first time. And it wasn't because of us. It was all because of you. Lord, I'm still celebrating all of the things that you did in 2021, but Lord, we're ready for 2022. God, I, I pray that Sunday morning we get to come together for worship and we get to get back to, to what we were doing and, and Lord, that you would send people <coughs> our way that need Jesus Christ in their life. Lord, thank you for the faces that, that are new tonight on a Tuesday night. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. And Lord, tonight I pray that if you're dealing with somebody about salvation, that tonight would be a night that they would not leave this place until they do business with you, that they would not lay their head down on that pillow tonight until you're done with them. Lord, I pray tonight that if there is somebody here that is being called out of the pew to do something, that they would stop running and they would start obeying. Use it for your glory, God, and transform the church to be what you want it to be. I believe when you write vision, you write vision on hearts. And God, would you write your vision tonight? What do you want Cross Life Church to be? Where do you want us to go?